Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Hey, listen, we're going to dive in. Grab your app, your Bible, your journal, however you do this space. We're beginning a new series this morning, and we're going to call the series the 21 Days of Prayer. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow at Community of Hope, and for the next 21 days, we are going to uh, go together as a church together on all of our campuses for what we're calling the 21-Day Prayer Challenge. And we're going to pray for the next 21 days. We're going to come together at the end of the month for a night of prayer when all of our 21 days culminates. And because we're calling that initiative the 21 Days of Prayer, we decided to call this series the 21 Days of Prayer. I know right now you're going, this church is so creative. I mean, we called the Christmas offering the Christmas offering. And we're going to call this a 21. I know it like creativity is just bouncing off of us. But um, anyhow, we're going to be talking more about that. And we're going to begin this series and begin uh, this time and, 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 and just really thinking about this. And uh, I was thinking about this. Um, some of you have, uh, knew this was coming up. And we had a couple of questions. You said, why 21 days? Why are, you, why are we doing it for 21 days? Why are we calling it the 21 days of prayer? And uh, we've done a little research on this. How many of you ever have ever heard of the discipline in science called neurobiology? Raise your hands high, all of our smart people in the room. Okay, and in the idea in the science of neurobiology, here's what these, which is the study of the brain, here's what they tell us. If you want to begin a new habit, you want to concretize uh, an important habit into your life, it takes 21 days to do that. If you do it for 21 days without fail, your brain uh, is pliable and flexible, and uh, it opens and creates new neuropathways, and you can establish a routine or a habit. It takes 21 days to do it. If you want to get rid of a habit, so you've got something you want to break, your best opportunity to do that is uh, to create a competing habit against that and to do that for 21 days. Isn't that fascinating? So one of the reasons we're starting this series uh, with all this creativity and calling it the 21 days of prayer is because it takes 21 days to establish. And we're hoping that all of our church family together on all of our campuses in both of our languages will create this idea, this new neuro pathway to pray every day for uh, 21 days. And we think about that a lot in this time of the year. How many of you, I know Jess asked this question last week, I wasn't here. Uh, so I want to ask this morning, um, how many of you um, uh, participated in any New Year's resolutions this year? I asked this, uh, there's six of us, awesome. I asked this at nine o'clock, the room is packed, four people raised their hands. It was kind of weird, all right? And uh, some of us, I was, gonna, I was thinking everybody would raise their hand, I was going to say, how many of you have already abandoned that? You know, and uh, this is kind of what happens. I had a friend of mine who sent me some of his resolutions. I got this this week from him. He said, hey, Dale, I don't know if you're doing any New Year's resolutions. Here's mine. He said, I, I want to make a New Year's resolution to give up all bad habits, but nobody likes a quitter. 
And he said, another one, he said, I, I, have, I have a resolution this year to do less laundry and maybe use more deodorant. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Uh, here's another one. He said, I decided this year I'm going to uh, not waste uh, time reliving the past. Instead, I'm going to worry about the future. And then here's my favorite one, just here it comes. He goes, my prayer for 2023 is a fatter bank account and a thinner body. And he said, God, please don't mix that up this year like you did last year. (laughs) Right? I remember my daughter, uh, our younger daughter, Shelly, when she was a student at Texas Tech University, she followed her mama out to Texas and wanted to go to that school. And my younger daughter has not met a, uh, a workout routine that she will not do. She is into fitness and into working out. And she called me uh, the first semester she was out there and she said, I am so frustrated. And I said, why are you frustrated, babe? And she said, she said I, go to, I go to work out. She had moved there in the summer. And she said, the new semester starts and I can't get to the workout equipment because everybody is there. It's a new semester. And she said, I have learned the secret though. And I said, what's the secret? She said, I just wait two weeks and nobody's there any longer. <laughs> and so this is the idea. And so we're kind of, one of the ideas we want to create this new neuropathway because here's what I've come to believe and what I want all of us to get in on. And this is sort of a foundational idea we want to launch around prayer. I've come to believe this, that prayer is to the life of faith what water is to the human body. Now, here's what scientists tell us. They tell us that um, we can actually almost go without food 40 days, maybe even beyond. But here's what they tell us. Top end, top end. You can't go without water three days. And I believe if we move this idea, that kind of science, that kind of uh, concept over into the life of faith, uh, here's what I would tell us, that prayer is to the life of faith what water is to the human body. And so this is, this is something that I want us to engage in. It's something I want us to have a conversation with uh, uh, around. I was thinking about this concept. Um, uh, last year, uh, I was reading a book, uh, and uh, I read this testimony by a guy that some of you may have heard of. His name is Tim Mackey. I want to show his picture. Tim Mackey. Uh, is uh, really helped millions and millions of people around the globe come to a better understanding of Holy Scripture through you know reading the Bible and understanding the Bible with his uh, what he calls the Bible Project. Now, here's what I want to tell you about this: If you are wanting to grow in your development of Scripture and understand Scripture better, I want to commend the Bible Project to you. But here's the interesting thing. He, he shares this testimony where he was going through a difficult time in his life. And he said, there were some things going on in the life of uh, my, own, uh, my own person. There were some things that were going on uh, in the life of my family and in the life with some of my friends that, that was very challenging. And uh, he said, I found myself in the midst of this difficulty and in the midst of this, what he called almost like this creeping sense of despair. Anybody ever felt that? And uh, he said that, um, he said the idea of God became sort of this disconnected, discombobulated kind of idea to me. He said, "Even, even my relationship with Jesus, he said, felt distant 
and felt cold. Now, I want to pause there for a moment because I want to suggest to us, you and I are living in a day where uh, some of us feel those things. We have loved ones, we have friends who feel those things. And what has become very popular in our day is this idea of deconstructing faith. Because we run through these difficult moments, faith must not be real, God must not be real. And so, you know, people, it's really become fad, it's become popular in a way to, to, to deconstruct out of that. When most people, I have found as a pastor, what they need to do is not give up on faith, but actually press through it. Because on the other side of that, is, is deeper reality of who God is in God's presence. Now, but interesting, he said, I was really struggling. And he said, on the invitation of a friend, uh, he said, I began to add this habit to my life when I, when I prayed. My friend said, try this. And he said, so every day when I would get up, he said, I started praying. And he said, uh, I would sit for a couple of moments in silence. And just in the presence of God, in just a moment of silence, where I would just say to God, you know, after this time of silence, I would say, Lord, um, I need need to connect with you in a way that is unforced and real and that I can know and feel your presence. Now, here's the thing. He said, here's what I want to say. Didn't happen overnight. Didn't, Didn't happen just like that. But he said, he said, interestingly, Tim Mackey says, over time, he said, um, and this is what he says, if I were to let my skeptical intellectual guard down for just a moment, I genuinely felt that someone had not just heard my prayers, but was responding to my prayers. And I was having this experience of God's presence in my life that felt real and dynamic and unpredictable. And he said, it was wonderful. And all of that happened, he said, because I was willing to lean in and learn to be quiet and ask God to show up. And he said, things started happening in the life of my family. Things started happening in my life. Things started happening in the life of my friends. And he said, it was either incredible coincidence or God was answering my prayers. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment, because here's I'm going to just lay it right on the bottom shelf. This is what I'm aiming at. What if, what if, we all took a challenge around that idea, around that concept. What if we had an honest conversation around it, and you began to lean in in some new and fresh ways? What if we did that, and then at the end of the year, your faith muscle was stronger? that there was a felt sense of God's presence and the reality of Jesus in your life that you've never before experienced? What if? Imagine with me if you leaned in in such a way that, 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 that um, this idea of religion as this, you know, inherited religion or, or borrowed faith from somebody else became your religion and your faith. Imagine if you leaned in and you saw a definite increase in your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and your self-control. How many of you need some of that? We need it. I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. 
And I believe it's not just for the spiritually elite. And by the way, who are the spiritually elite anyway? I believe it can happen. And you know, I think it's so interesting because um, I think it's a great time to talk about prayer because you know why? So many of us over the past week have been praying. Uh, How many of y'all remember this? Wow. Good gracious. How many of you are watching Damar Hamlin, routine tackle, gets up, steps back, adjusts his helmet, and falls to the ground in cardiac arrest? Heart stops. And they're doing CPR on this guy for eight minutes on the field, and then we all see this. And this touched our nation and our world in a powerful way. I mean, we saw these great, you know, men, our our sports heroes, you know, just on their knees, weeping before God, so traumatized by what they saw. I don't know if you saw a couple days later, um, this was incredible, I couldn't believe it. This is Dan Orlovsky, who is a analyst for ESPN, praying for Damar Hamlin live on ESPN. Um, I wrote his prayer down. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand. We come in these moments that are hard because we, we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you, we believe has impact. What? He goes on and he prays, we're sad, we're angry, we want answers, we know some things are unanswerable, we just want to pray, we truly want to come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for comfort for Damar, for healing for Damar, to be with his family and to give them peace. And if we didn't believe that prayer worked, we wouldn't ask this of you, God, but because we believe in prayer, we lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. And suddenly, just like that, prayer is all of a sudden a conversation in our nation. And here's what it appears, right? God is answering the prayer. And this guy is breathing and has come to it. The first question he asked, did you see it? Did we win the game? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. So, so one of the reasons um, I want us to have this conversation around prayer is uh, neurobiologists suggest that um, it takes 21 days to establish some habits in our lives. So that's a good thing. Can I, can I even tell you the deeper reason that we want to invite you into this process for 21 days. Um, I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you. And it's a, it's a very obscure passage of scripture. Uh, my sense is many of us have never heard it, maybe never read it. And it happens way back in the Old Testament, happens in the book of Daniel. And I'm going to read the whole chapter 10 in the book of Daniel to you. And because Uh, We're a church that believes uh, that we want more than any other voice in the room. We want God's voice to be the loudest. We're going to read his word. We stand in honor of his word. Would you just stand? Stand where you are. 
If you're at home, stand. If you're driving, keep driving. Okay? Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. Here we go. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, revelation was given to Daniel. It was called, uh, also called Belteshazzar. And its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, and I ate no choice food, uh, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all till the three weeks were over. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold of euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes flaming like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned uh, deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him, and I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Now, a hand touched me and set me uh, trembling on my hands and knees, and he said, Daniel, you who are highly uh, esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I now uh, have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, trembling. And then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel, do not be afraid. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the uh, vision concerning a time yet to come. And while he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and I was speechless. And then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, hey, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. And again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, he said, peace, be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and I said, speak, my Lord, since you've given me strength. And so he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the king of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. And he says, no one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius, the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. Let's just collectively maybe do this together, right? What? <laughs> right? I know some of you are thinking right now, I have, I'm going to start a series at the beginning of a year. I'm going to take us all the way back into the Old Testament. 
I'm going to have us read some obscure passage that is so weird that looks like Daniel's been, you know, tapping the hookah pipe just a little bit. (laughs) And and I'm going to make this something that we're going to talk about prayer. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Here's the reason I want us to look at this and, and why I want us to start here. This story... This story has everything you and I need to have to to, to begin to lay a foundation for how prayer actually works. It's It's got all the ingredients in it. I mean, here's Daniel uh, carried off uh, into exile. Uh, Scholars think this happened... I don't know, 580 BC. And he and his friends are carried off into exile and because of their integrity, and I believe because God's hand is on them, they, are, they rise with a level of uh, influence uh, in a hostile government. And they are carried off their land, from their homeland by, uh, by the Babylonians, who we know historically were then overtaken by the Persians. And this is a real thing. And uh, I know this, most of the time for you and me sitting in a room like this, this is what we do. We let some of these really crazy stories rest over in the kids' ministry section because they make great paintings and they make great stories. And uh, we don't understand them as adults and, and they challenge us. So we just leave them over there. And you know what P. Diddy likes to do. I like to grab what's over there and move that over here and say, Lord, what do you, what do you got for us? What do you got for us? Because, you know, we want, we want to talk about Daniel and the lion's den. We want to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I want to talk about Daniel chapter 10 because it's got every single thing you and I need to know about prayer. In fact, look at the characters. Here's the first character. God, Uh, if we're going to have the right foundation for prayer, uh, we're going to have to know what actually Holy Scripture teaches us about God. Here's what I would tell you. You're here to learn about God. And I want you to notice um, God's posture toward us in uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Look at this. says, then he continued. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Notice this, right? Since the very first day you set your mind and heart to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. You have a God who wants to hear from you. That's his posture. Um. There's a great story in the New Testament, if we pull it back in the New Testament, a little bit more familiar ground. The disciples are watching Jesus, and the Bible says, I journaled on it this week in my own personal devotions, that he would often retreat to lonely places to pray. That's what it says of our Lord. And they're watching him pray, and so, uh, you know, I imagine they're talking amongst themselves, and finally it's Peter who, you know, that's 
that, that, that great dude that we can connect with, he, he finally has the courage to go to Jesus and he just says this, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, here's what I want you to know. These are Jewish men, right? These are Jewish men who used to be Jewish boys growing up in Jewish homes. He wasn't saying, teach us to pray like we don't, we've never prayed before. They've been praying their whole lives. He's saying, teach us how to pray because Jesus prayed differently. And do you notice how Jesus responds? He doesn't give them cues and tips and advice. He doesn't say, here's nine, the nine ABCs of better prayer. He prays. And the first way he prays is super challenging for them back then, but in our own culture, in our own language, in our own translation, we miss it. And he begins with what our Catholic brothers and sisters call the Our Father, and we call the Lord's Prayer what Keith was talking about. And he says, Our Father. He, he just begins with all this intimacy. Uh, he begins, and there's no cloak of shame. There's no, there's no fear. There's no, he, you know, he's just modeling for them the right disposition is to know you have a God in heaven who loves you. For some of us in this room and listening online, that's all you need to know for today. Don't get up and leave yet, but that's it. <laughs> so that's one character. Now watch this one. It's about to get weird. Here's another character. The enemy. Excuse me, what? Pardon me, what? And so we get to Daniel chapter 10, and we just read down to verse 13. Look at what it says. So the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me, resisted me for 21 days. And Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there in the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain what will happen to people in the future. What? The prince of the Persian kingdom. Who's that? Um, resist me 21 days. Then Michael, once you print, like, who, who's that? Do you mean that like we could pray and there might be a malevolent force that would tw- try in the kingdoms to thwart our prayers in a way that makes them ineffective? What? I mean, could, could this idea be the same kind of idea that Paul would later write about in my favorite book in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6 where he says, notice this, Paul writes, hey, just remember, right? Like our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What? It's not against, the, it, but it's against the rulers. It's against authorities, against powers of this dark world. And look at this, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? What? I'm the middle of three sons. And uh, what is code of conduct for boys when they grow up, especially if you grow up with a flock of boys, is if you do something wrong, you blame it on your brother. <laughs> it's kind of what we do. 
My older brother blamed stuff on me. When I got older, if I made a mistake, did something I shouldn't, blamed it on my younger brother until he grew up to 6'2", 260 pounds. (laughs) Then you negotiate a little bit. Um, Sometimes I wonder when I read this verse, does God get blamed for stuff? It's not his fault. And then lastly, let me just say this real quick. There's, um, oh, wait, before we go on. So our theology of prayer, I think, it has to have this idea that there's an enemy. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Let me just hit it real quick. He says this. There are two equal opposite errors into which our race falls about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equal. The devils are are equally pleased by both errors and they hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. What's he saying? Some of us um, just want to, don't want to talk about the devil. That's religious mumbo jumbo. Some of us see a devil under every rock. I remember in the first ministry I served, I had a, pa- a friend who was really struggling in his marriage. Quite honestly, he was not a good father. He was not a good husband. And uh, he would come to me all the time when he'd messed up and he would say, you know what, Um, man, the enemy's just attacking me. The enemy's attacking me. And I'd watch him and he was just terrible dad. He was a terrible husband. And finally, you know, after the 900th time he came to me and he said, you know, I, devil's attacking me. I said, you know, I, I don't think the devil's attacking you. You stink as a dad and a husband. That had more effect at nine o'clock than it did right now. <laughs> um, lastly, there's us. Let me say it real quick. There's Daniel's in the story, but of course Daniel's us. It's a place in the middle. And this is where we are. We're in the middle. And so I want to have a conversation about prayer. And uh, we're going to focus on it. Because here's what I believe with all my heart, and I'm going to cut to this. I think every single one of us has an area in our life where we need a breakthrough. We're praying for ourselves. We're praying for somebody. We're just kind of, we're just praying for a breakthrough. I thought it was so interesting. The um, executive vice president of NFL operations was asked, how did DeMar, this amazing Recovery to this point, how, how did that happen? And he just answered, I believe there's power in prayer that causes breakthroughs in human experience. What? <laughs> how many of you need a breakthrough? How many, how many of you know somebody who needs a breakthrough? Lord, would you see our hands? Would you teach us how to pray? Would you bring breakthrough? For we pray together in your precious name. And everyone said, amen. The team is coming to lead us in a closing song. I want to give you a challenge. Use this song as an opportunity to give to the Lord what you're carrying right now for yourself or someone else. Speak it. Say it. And let's see what God will do 
over these 21 days. Would you stand together while we share? I believe with all of my heart that God wants to pour his spirit out on his people. Uh, We don't need to compel him to do that. This is not like we have to convince him to do it. I believe he's ready and willing to do it. So we're going to learn how to do this. And we have, we have put this together in a way that if this is new for you, you'll be able to get in on it. If you've been around church and faith for a good time, you're going to learn some new things. Uh, we have created some prayer hubs across this 21 days. You can learn more about the prayer night on the 29th when we culminate. Just go to our website. It's all right there for you to dive in, to jump in. Lord, um, would you come and blow a fresh wind over our church, over all of our campuses, Lord God, frankly, just over Palm Beach County. And would you blow a fresh wind of your spirit into our lives, into our families, into our... um, you know, into our experience to do what only you can do so that you grow our faith. And Lord, we would say in closing, you know, we want to say, Lord, I, we believe, right? And we also say what you heard in the precious man you encountered in scripture when he said, I believe. And Lord, will you help my unbelief? We bring that to you too. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. We have precious people here willing to pray for you and uh, go in God's grace. His mercy, his blessing. We'll see you next weekend.